Welcome to Transformed by Grace, an in-depth Bible study of God's Word, presented by the Berean Bible Society. Join us each time on this station as Pastor Kevin brings the transforming message of God's grace revealed through the Holy Scriptures. Artist James Dietz has produced paintings of airplanes and their crews that are so realistic that they look like photographs. His works hang in many aviation galleries in the United States, including the Smithsonian Institution. One of the paintings by Dietz, titled Unsung, depicts a view of four mechanics who are working on a dive bomber. They're far below the flight deck of an aircraft carrier somewhere in the Pacific during World War II. The pale, serious-looking, grease-stained men are working tirelessly to get the plane ready to go back into battle. Without men like them, the plane and the bomber pilot would never get off the ground and the victories could not be won. We too may be performing unnoticed tasks as we support the local church. Without many volunteers, servants, and workers, no church could do its ministry effectively. As the Apostle Paul closes his letter to the believers in Rome, he lists several people who received no other mention in Scripture. But these unsung people were essential to the life and work of the church in Rome. Many served the church and worked below the flight deck, but any and all service to Christ is essential. Even if no one ever shows appreciation for your hard work, we can be sure that the Lord will recognize it one day. No service for Christ goes unnoticed by Him. Hebrews 6.10 reads, For God is not unjust to forget your work in labor of love which you have shown toward His name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Romans 16 verses 1-5 to reads, I commend you unto Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church which is at Centria, that ye receive her in the Lord, as becometh saints, and that ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you. For she hath been a succourer of many, and of myself also. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Romans 16 mentions 36 individuals. All these names are in Scripture because the Holy Spirit wanted them there. And He wanted you and I to know their names. We will have the privilege of meeting every one of them one day in heaven. What this chapter shows us is that God knew the name and activity of every member within the church in Rome. And this reminds us that God knows each of our names and all we do for the Lord. Paul names and greets common, ordinary people here. There are no famous stories of their great accomplishments and great faith here. Instead, what you have here is a group of people who were faithful workers, servants, helpers, that were sacrificial and selfless with their time and labor for Christ. There are no unimportant people to God and His church. The high and mighty and famous people of this world do not impress God. God is no respecter of person. Instead, what touches the heart of God 
is those who are active, faithful members in his church, the body of Christ. He is honored by those who honor him with their time and their service. In his church, Christ gives each of us the opportunity to make a difference in the world. The chapter begins with the name of a lady, Phoebe. What we learn with her is that this masterful letter, the epistle to the Romans, with all of its spiritual riches and truth about our salvation and our walk, when it was completed, it was carried to Rome by a woman by the name of Phoebe. Paul was writing from Corinth. Corinth is in Greece. Rome is, of course, in Italy. And the journey from Corinth to Rome was no easy trip, but a significant, long, arduous journey of over 600 miles. Phoebe was given a very sacred trust to handle the Word of God and to carry and protect this valuable letter so that it might reach the destination of Rome and then to give it to the redeemed saints there in the church. Though God did not use a woman to write a book of the Bible, God did use a woman to transport a book of the Bible and a Bible book which is so vitally important in terms of its explanation of the gospel of grace and how we are justified by faith alone. Arriving in Rome, Phoebe gave this letter to the church. They did not know Phoebe, so that is why Paul commends and introduces her to them. She was commended to them as a sister in Christ, so the Romans would receive her and support her during her stay in their city. Phoebe's name means bright one or radiant, and that was true of her testimony. Paul says she was a servant of the church in Centria. Centria was a seaport city located eight to nine miles away from Corinth, where Paul had written this letter. Paul commended Phoebe in how she hath been a succour or helper of many, and of myself also, he says. She had given graciously of herself to the ministry and to helping many, which included her local church and even Paul himself. Thus Paul asked the Roman church to receive her in the Lord, and adds, as becometh saints. That is to say, welcome her and treat her the way believers should receive other believers, with kindness, grace, love, and in the special bond of fellowship that is found within Christ. Paul next sent greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, a godly husband and wife team who were Paul's helpers in Christ Jesus. This couple had originally lived in Rome, but Acts 18.2 speaks of how they had been thrown out of Rome because Claudius Caesar had banished all Jews from Rome. In their banishing, they had gone to Corinth, and that's where Paul met them. They, like Paul, were tent makers. And after having served alongside Paul in the ministry in Corinth for a time, they sailed with Paul and went to Ephesus. Paul then left them there to minister when he went to visit Jerusalem. Following this, they established a church in their house in Ephesus. But now they had returned to Rome because Claudius had died and the banishing of the Jews was a matter of the past. And we see again in verse 5 that their house was open again to house a church. They were a very active Christian couple in the Lord's work. Verse 4 details a time when they risked their lives for Paul. 
We don't know the details of this incident as none is given in Scripture. But Paul says they put their heads on the chopping block for him. They endangered their lives and were willing to die that Paul might live and carry on his ministry. There was a time when the life of Paul was on the line and Priscilla and Aquila stepped into the gap and were willing to die for his sake. They might have literally rescued him from danger or perhaps they defended him before some authorities. We don't know. But Paul, of course, was delivered, and so were they, by God's mercy and grace, and Paul was thankful for their courage. And in verse 4, he says, "...unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles." The reason the Gentile churches would have been thankful is because they were a product of Paul's ministry. And a dead Paul would have meant that the gospel of grace wouldn't have been brought to them, and their churches would not have been established, and they would not have been saved. Aquila and Priscilla were a loyal, courageous, giving couple who were greatly used by God. And God still powerfully uses godly, believing couples who willingly pour themselves out as a team in sacrificial labor for the cause of God's Son in this world. We'll be returning to the program in just a minute. But first, we'd like to take this time to thank you, our partners, for making these programs possible. If you would like to access our library of helpful Bible study tools, go to BereanBibleSociety.org. Runaways, Running from God is a 144-page paperback book written by Pastor Kevin Sadler, president of Berean Bible Society. This book explains stories of people in the Bible who ran away from God. The prodigal son, Onesimus, Jonah, Elijah, and John Mark. Each of them ran for different reasons, such as fear, sin, unbelief, worldliness, or hard-heartedness. These examples of runaways teach us many things. We learn what they learned. We learn how they grew in their faith and how their attitudes and lives were changed by God. To order your copy, contact Berean Bible Society for pricing and availability at 262-255-4750 or visit our website at BereanBibleSociety.org. To receive our free full-color 32-page monthly magazine, the Berean Searchlight, call 262-255-4750 or subscribe online at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. Thank you again for your generous gifts. And now, back to the teaching with Pastor Kevin. Romans 16, verses 5-9 to nine reads, Salute my well-beloved Eponidas, who is the firstfruits of Achaia unto Christ. Greet Mary, who bestowed much labor on us. Salute Adronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners, who are of note among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. Greet Amplius, my beloved in the Lord. Salute Urbane, our helper in Christ, and Statius, my beloved. Though Paul had never yet been to Rome at this point, he had been instrumental in winning so many to Christ. And many of these converts had gone on to Rome and were now there as part of the church in that city. And Paul greets them. He greets 27 individuals here. In verse 5, Paul saluted Eponidas. His name means praiseworthy. 
And Paul says he was the first fruits or one of the first converts of the province of Achaia for Christ. Corinth was in Achaia, and that was where Paul wrote this letter from. Paul greeted him as my well-beloved. He was dear to the heart of Paul. Being the first fruits of Achaia for Christ meant that others followed. He wasn't the only fruit, but the first fruit. And others followed in that region after his conversion. And often one person's decision to trust Christ leads to others. And this was the case for Eponidas. Eponidas had, for whatever reason, moved to Rome from Achaia and was now part of the church in Rome. The ministry of women in the Roman church is quite evident in this chapter. Paul referred to eight prominent women, Priscilla, Mary, Tryphena, Tryphosa, Persis, Rufus's mother, Julia, and Nerus's sister. In verse 6, Paul says to greet Mary. There are six women in the New Testament who have the name Mary. It was a very common name at that time. But there is nothing to identify her as one of the Marys that we read about in the four Gospels. We don't know who she is, but she was known to Paul because she had bestowed much labor on them. Much labor in the original Greek is a strong word, meaning to labor to the point of weariness, to work to the point of sweat and exhaustion. The people mentioned here in Romans 16 were workers. Phoebe was a servant and a helper of many. Priscilla and Aquila had churches in their home. Mary worked hard. Urbane was a helper. Tryphena and Tryphosa labored in the Lord. Persis labored much in the Lord. Ministry takes work, and these people were workers. They were the nuts and bolts of the congregation. These folks devoted themselves to the Lord, and they worked hard for Christ. And so God honored them highly by telling us their names and including their names in His eternal word. And God will honor us highly one day with eternal reward as we devote ourselves to Him and work for His glory. Adronicus and Junia are next saluted in verse 7. They were Paul's kinsmen. In Romans 9, 3-4, Paul wrote, For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites. The broader sense of them being Israelites or fellow Jews is what Paul means when he wrote of them being his kinsmen. They were also fellow prisoners with Paul at one time. Paul spent a lot of time in prison. In 2 Corinthians 11.23, he states he was in prisons often. We don't know where, but in one of his imprisonments, these two were there with Paul also. Like Paul, they had paid the price of imprisonment for their faith in Christ. Paul states that these men had an excellent reputation. They were highly esteemed, noted, distinguished for their spiritual life and character and service among the apostles, he says. These Jews, Paul says, were in Christ before him. Paul does not mean that they were in the body of Christ before him, because Paul was the first member of the church, the body of Christ. Rather, he means in the general, redemptive sense, they were in Christ and saved before Paul. Next, Paul greeted Amplius. Amplius means enlarged. We get our word amplified from this, so it's 
thought that perhaps he was a loud baby. But Paul says he was my beloved in, in the Lord. There's a tomb dating from the late 1st or early 2nd century in the earliest Christian catacomb of Rome, which bears the name Amplius. And some suggest that this might be the same person mentioned here in Romans 16.8. Paul next saluted Urbane. We get our word urban from his name, and it means of the city. Paul says he was our helper in Christ. Paul next saluted Statius. His name means a head of grain. So what you have here in one verse is two believers from two different places. One was a city boy, and one was a country boy. But both were members of the church, the body of Christ, and one in Christ. Paul had a deep and sincere love for fellow believers, and for fellow workers in particular. No matter how little known they were or how insignificant their service was from a human perspective, Paul's letter to the Romans is considered the theological centerpiece of the New Testament. Yet this grand statement of doctrine concludes with a personal greeting from the Apostle to a host of people, 27 of whom are mentioned by name. He refers to these people as our sister, servant, helper, beloved, kinsmen, fellow prisoners, brethren, and saints. The Apostle Paul's keen mind was filled with doctrine, but his heart was full of people. Romans 16, verses 10 to 15 read, Salute Apollos, approved in Christ. Salute them which are of Aristobulus' household. Salute Herodian, my kinsman. Greet them that be of the household of Narcissus, which are in the Lord. Salute Tryphena and Tryphosa, who labor in the Lord. Salute the beloved Persis, which labored much in the Lord. Salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. Salute Esencritus, Phlegon, Hermas, Petrobas, Hermes, and the brethren which are with them. Salute Philogilus and Julia, Nereus and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints which are with them. In verse 10, Paul saluted Apollos. His name means called. He was approved in Christ, Paul says. The term approved was used to describe precious metals such as gold or silver that were refined by fire and proven genuine, having passed the test for purity. Whatever his field of service in Christ may have been, Apollos performed it well. Apollos was tried and proven true, tested and proven trustworthy. He was a tried and true, tested and proven brother, faithful and dependable, approved in Christ. It reminds me of 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Apollos was approved in Christ, approved unto God by his faithful service and stand for the truth. Paul saluted those which are of Aristobulus' household. Since Paul does not greet Aristobulus personally, but instead his household, this means that either Aristobulus had died or he was not a believer. But many family members and household servants were believers. And this would not be unlike many homes in this world where believers live with unbelievers in their house. Herodian is saluted next. He too was a kinsman to Paul or a fellow Jew. His name was based on the title Herod. 
The name may identify this person as belonging to Herod's family and royalty, or he may have been a slave to one of the Herods. Paul next greets those of the household of Narcissus, which are in the Lord. The name Narcissus was based on Narcissus, who was a good-looking guy in Greek mythology who stared at his own reflection for so long that he eventually died. We get our term narcissism from it, which speaks of self-love, self-absorption. Christ delivers us from that and transforms our minds to think of others and not to be self-absorbed. Paul restricted his greetings to the ones who are in the Lord in Narcissus' home, implying again that Narcissus' family was divided spiritually and that Narcissus and others in his household were not in the Lord. Salute Tryphena and Tryphosa, Paul says. They were probably sisters or maybe twins with their names being so similar. Their names mean delicate and dainty. But these women weren't so delicate and dainty that they were afraid to get their hands dirty. They were workers, hard laborers, and they labored in the Lord and for Him. Paul next greeted Persis, another female name. Persis literally means a Persian woman. In the church at Rome, there was a woman from far away Persia who loved Christ, and she too was a worker and labored much in the Lord. And since Persis' work is spoken of in the past tense, it implies that she was probably older than the other two women, Tryphena and Tryphosa, in this verse. The women are the main ones in this list who are said to work hard. And it reminds us that often the hardest workers in the church are the women. Next, Paul saluted Rufus, which means red. Rufus probably had red hair, or he might have blushed easy. When the Roman soldiers led the Lord out to be crucified, Mark 15:21 says this, Then they compelled a certain man, Simon, a Cyrenian, the father of Alexander and Rufus, as he was passing by to bear his cross. There is an outside possibility that this is the Rufus, who was the son of Simon the Cyrenian, who carried the cross of our Lord. Paul says Rufus was chosen in the Lord. Not chosen to be in the Lord, but chosen in Him. In other words, he was a choice saint of high character in the Lord. And Paul salutes Rufus's mom, stating, His mother and mine. Paul is not saying she was literally his mother, but that Rufus's mother was in a personal, loving way like a mother to Paul, showing much kindness to him. Salute Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermas, Petrobos, Hermes. This grouping of five men here in the phraseology, the way it's put, suggests that this may have been a church and likely a house church. These five men were likely the leaders of that assembly. And then the brethren which are with them refers to the other believers who assembled under their leadership or perhaps at their houses. In verse 15, Paul saluted Philogelus and Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints which are with them. This grouping of names with all the saints which are with them, again, looks like the nucleus of another house church in Rome. 
Earlier, Paul greeted Priscilla and Aquila in the church that is in their house. All these references to different groups suggest that the church at Rome met in various smaller assemblies throughout the city rather than as one large congregation. Philogolus means loves to talk. So he might have been the preacher for this particular group and assembly. Julia is a female name and is linked to Philogolus. They were most likely a married couple. And Julia probably did a lot of listening around Philogolus. Romans 16, verses 21 to 23 reads, Timotheus, my workfellow, and Lucius, and Jason, and Sosipater, my kinsmen, salute you. I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, salute you in the Lord. Gaius, mine host, and of the whole church, saluteth you. Erastus, the chamberlain of the city, saluteth you, and Cordus, a brother. This group of names describes people who were in Corinth with Paul, and they sent their greetings to those in Rome. In verse 21, we see Timothy was in Corinth with Paul. He was a faithful workfellow in the ministry with the apostle and one of Paul's dearest companions. Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater are all mentioned in Acts. They were all Paul's kinsmen, or Jews, and they all sent their greetings to the church in Rome from Corinth. Tertius means third. Slaves were named by numbers. He was Paul's scribe as Paul dictated the letter of Romans to him, and Tertius wrote it down. Tertius took the liberty to add his personal greetings to those in Rome. Gaius was one of Paul's converts in Corinth, and he was hosting Paul in his home as he wrote this letter. Erastus was the city treasurer of Corinth, and he sent his greetings. And Cordus, which means fourth, was another converted slave and a brother. The inclusion of slaves in the names is a reminder how all social distinctions are obliterated in Christ because we are all one in Him. Looking at these people, the church at Rome and in Corinth comes to life. Romans 16 shows how Paul knew that he and nobody ministers alone in the body of Christ, that every person is important. Everyone's service in the church is needed. This being true, Paul was careful to remember names and details of the people with whom he ministered and to acknowledge them. What you find here is this, in this chapter is a beautiful picture of the church, the body of Christ. Men, women, singles, married couples, slaves and free, Jews and Gentiles, city and country people, people of different races from different places, rich and poor, all family, all one in Christ. As Galatians 3.28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Thank you again for tuning in to Transformed by Grace. We appreciate your prayer support and the financial gifts. 
The purpose and mission of the Berean Bible Society is to help you understand the whole counsel of the Word of God. For more information, visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org or give us a call at 262-255-4750. Or if you prefer, write us at the Berean Bible Society, P.O. Box 756, Germantown, Wisconsin, 53022. Now until next time, may you be transformed by God's grace.